This is a Media Lab podcast. Welcome to Putting It Together, the podcast that goes through the entire body of work of Stephen Sondheim, show by show and song by song. My name is Kyle Marshall, your self-described Sondheim expert. Well, it feels like we've lived a year of perpetual anticipation, or maybe it's just been waiting for Eric Matthew Richardson to return. His last appearance was way back in the Being Alive episode during the company season. It's been a while. But luckily, he was game to come on and discuss these two songs with me today. It would have been wonderful. It's like two supposed alpha males strutting around. And then there's Perpetual Anticipation, which is a song that appears in Act 2 of A Little Night Music. But before we get to my conversation with Eric, if you'd like to help support the show for absolutely free, you can give a rating and review on whatever app you listen to podcasts in. That's greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to help monetarily, which will only help grow and make this show better, you can also do so over at our Patreon page. Please do not donate if it impacts you negatively financially. I do want to call out that there is a new patron that we got this week, so thank you so much, Robert, for joining the Patreon page. But I do need to give a huge thank you to the God That's Good tier, the triumphant quartet of Jack, Todd, Barry, and Carrie. And now it's time for Plotting Along. This is the part of the show where I bring you up to date on what is going on in the plot. So the guests are waiting for dinner to be served, and Frederick finds himself out on a balcony with Carl Magnus. They both reflect on what Desiree could have done, so that they didn't both end up here. And then when dinner is served, Perpetual Anticipation is a song that is used to foreshadow the explosive desires that will be unleashed momentarily. Let me go thank some sponsors, and then when we return, it'll be me talking with Eric Matthew Richardson about It Would Have Been Wonderful and Perpetual Anticipation. Putting Together is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. This episode of Putting It Together is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. Now, more than ever, we are united by a desire to take action and help others by creating community built on kindness and compassion. From small creative projects to larger citizen-led initiatives, the Calgary Foundation provides grassroots grants to encourage and support people who want to create and strengthen bonds between neighbors and communities. If you've got an idea to improve, enhance, or revitalize your community or neighborhood, visit calgaryfoundation.org to find out more about the Foundation's grant opportunities, and visit the Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. This week we're also brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, so let's go and listen to one of the other great shows. The show you're listening to is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Another show from the network that you should check out is Repodcasting. Have you ever watched a movie and there was an actor in it that was all wrong for the part they were playing? Have you ever wanted to imagine someone else in the role? Never fear, that's precisely why Repodcasting exists. Listen as co-hosts and cousins Janet and Lucia recast their favorite and not-so-favorite movies with their dream cast. 
They also take a moment each episode to imagine which role in the film should have been given to Tony Danza, because let's face it, Tony Danza would make every movie better. You can find Repodcasting wherever you listen to podcasts or at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Happy listening! I should never have gone to the theater Then I'd never have come to the country If I never had come to the country Matters might have stayed as they were Eric, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me back, Kyle. It's been a year. <laughs> no, it's been a while. It has been it has been a time that has, it has elapsed. It has been a time. I mean, you have been here before, of course. Correct. Uh, I, I, I wanted someone to jump right into it, but just talking about A Little Night Music broadly, when was the first time that you encountered A Little Night Music? Oh, man. I, I, I was trying to remember this. I had seen the movie at okay. some point in my life. The, the, the music, not... the movie based on the musical, correct? Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay. The movie, the movie based on the movie, the Hal Prince one. Yeah. Um, I had seen that movie at some point in my life. I think vaguely it was like in school. I don't wow. know why. Okay. Like it must have been, it must have been like a, a choir class or, or something related to music. A, a I teacher had given you. up trying to teach yeah. you kids. Right. It like, must have been like the this. end of the year. And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know why they chose that one. Yeah. Um, it's not really appropriate for school, <laughs> but <laughs> like not um, at all. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's that's why I'm thinking like and I, I can't remember what grade I was in. I can't remember how old I was, but I had seen it and then completely forgotten about it. Um, and so I don't think I, I visited again until um, maybe in college when I was just going through, you know, the Sondheim list right. and like checking out each one. It's an interesting one because it's not, I don't think listening to it, and maybe maybe some other listeners would disagree, but I don't think listening to it is enjoyable. <laughs> um, and okay. I don't mean that in that it's bad. I mean that in that it is um, not very exciting to listen to mm. from tip to tail. And you don't get much of what's going on. I think it's something that you do have to be watching or in a theater to really to really glean especially like the humor um doesn't really come out until you see it yeah i i think that's the biggest one for me yeah. um i keep saying kind of this similar story but because i first listened to this score as a teenager like 15 or 16 years old a really didn't understand at all what was going on in the plot because mm -hmm. again slow internet couldn't look it up but also like yeah, you don't really lock in that this is a very funny show. Right. But I don't know if you know that notice that if you're just listening to the music. Especially even if you're like just reading the plot mm -hmm. or something just to like get like you're still not getting the humor. You're not getting the the funnier parts about it. Um, mm -hmm. Especially with the whole I mean, I, spoiler alert, but the ending of of it's kind of leading towards this like grand death of many people right. and all yeah, of that yeah. is subverted. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those shows that is very well done on an artistic level, right? But that yeah. it's not necessarily like exciting. Like you're not like, yeah, I'm gonna throw on little night music mm. at, at you know and jam out with my friends. 
Right, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 uh, I keep saying that a little night music is the one score of song times that I can actually throw on in the background while I'm doing other things. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I just like the 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 actual music itself. But yeah, you're right. It's not like it's like, oh man, guess what I got? Fresh copy, little <laughs> night music. Right, right. <laughs> and it's 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 weird. It's like it is an artistic achievement. Like it it's, it yeah. seems like the most, uh, at least up to this point in his career. Maybe the most like cohesive product that you put out, and, and and I think he's talked about that too. Where you know a lot of musicals are joined together by the fact that they are through the lens of the, the same composer. Where mm. like it's not necessarily like each individual song fits together perfectly. It's just that it's coming out of the same person, and that's sort of the 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 glue that ties it together. Whereas this show does very much feel like it was structured to blend with itself mm-hmm. and i don't know if that comes from his whole thing with the threes or if it just comes from right. the 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 initial concept or what but it does um it does feel like a show that is truly one cohesive thing yeah i think that's an interesting uh, thing to point out because even like if we just work backwards from his two other like major major works that he was composer for both lyrics and music like right before this we have follies but follies is just filled with music that is like pastiches of other things right <laughs> and then even in company he's trying out like different feelings to those songs whereas light little night music is like yeah this all leads with one another if you listen through the entire thing it's like nothing really feels like super out of place right right <laughs> if you're as like as a as a collection of songs um i also find i'll just speak for myself that Little Night Music is also, you know, going through this season and doing deep dives into each one of the songs. There's been a couple that have really snuck up on me. I'm like, oh, man, this is actually a lot even more intricate than what I was thinking when I first listened to this. Yeah, it's one that... Um, like, Every Day a Little Death is the one I keep going back right. to, which is like, it's a pretty song when I first listened to it. But man, like really getting into there and lyric choice and music choice behind it. Like there's actually a lot more to it. Yeah, you can tell it, it's the first time that he got to be as clever as he wanted to be and maybe that's for better or worse um sometimes you know it's okay to pull the reins in a bit but yeah. he does lyrically really stretch himself a lot in this show and i think he gets away with it because you know it's like an upper class group of people who are all think themselves uh quite witty or quite intelligent mm-hmm. so i think that's that's sort of like the the conceit you can use to get away with the more intricate lyrics um that would feel wrong coming out of uh some like bobby's mouth from company or something right, right, right um right. so yeah it's it i think that's the sort of thing that attracts me to it now is where it, it's not a particularly flashy on 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 the front facing side show but upon like closer inspection does become more interesting does reveal new layers that that you know is is not there when you are just passively watching it now having said that um of course you have seen the movie in the past have you ever seen an, another production of a little night music at all i this is another thing i don't know why i like i have like these memories of this show that i must have just blocked out i feel like i had seen some amateur production of this like okay. not a like like a community theater production but mm-hmm. i don't know where i don't think it was my hometown 
Um, But this is not a a show that is uh, great for community theater, I think. There's a lot of... um, especially with the the uh greek chorus-esque people like you know it's 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 difficult now i have seen uh the filmed professional productions i've seen the uh the lincoln center one and i feel like i've seen the one with um like Kristen bell is in it i I can't remember where that was uh she's she's um frederica does she play oh yeah so it's like it's a while ago i (laughs) want to say it's like la opera or something yeah i mean i've seen a few productions it's it's a show that does in regards to like staging and stuff i feel like does look pretty similar uh across the board Mm -hmm. um i haven't seen any production do anything particularly different from another that stood out Mm -hmm. Uh, apart from the film the actual film uh which is maybe to its detriment but <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah uh well i guess at that point like we are going to be talking about two songs here today mm-hmm. the easy breezy it would have been wonderful or could have been wonderful uh and then of course uh, perpetual anticipation where i'm assuming the meat of our conversation is yeah. going to be yeah is talking about perpetual anticipation. we're gonna we're gonna just zip through it would have been wonderful real quick and then i think the majority yeah. of our time will be perpetual anticipation patient yeah. Uh, so to give credit to where credit is due, the, the first song, it would have been wonderful is going to, of course, feature Frederick and Carl Magnus. So the three versions that we're looking at here this season, Frederick is portrayed by Len Carew, Lawrence Guitard, and Alexander Hansen. And then Carl Magnus is portrayed by Lawrence Guitard, Lambert Wilson, and Aaron Lazar. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but yes, the original Carl Magnus went on to be Frederick in a later production. He graduated. That's why we hear his name twice. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Talking about staging, I just wanted to spend a moment on this because in the text here of Finishing the Hat, it mentions that this is supposed to be happening. It says, while waiting for dinner to be announced, Frederick and Carl Magnus find themselves alone with each other on the terrace outside the house. So they're basically just standing outside, kind of thinking to themselves and then crossing each other's paths, which... When you hear them say, sir, sir, that's them basically crossing over. (laughs) And then they sing their own things. This is the one and only time that that I'm going to give credit to Hal Prince's decisions in the movie version of A Little Night Music. Because I think this is actually the one place where he allowed himself to think of this as a cinematic endeavor. Uh, Because they're playing billiards in the film version. And I just think it's an interesting way to do this. They can still do their, their little soliloquies in the in their heads, but they're kind of I don't know dueling without them actually right. drawing. It's I, I, uh, I like billiards or, or better guns. than the more cliche version of like them sitting down to play chess. Right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I I do I do enjoy stuff like that. I, I think Sondheim said this before, where like when you make a film of a musical, there has to be changes. Like you're not gonna just put. And I know that's yeah. a lot of people, a lot of fans dislike that. But I, I just recently I was watching um, the End of the Woods adaptation that I think right. fails in that regard because it is just a lot of people standing and singing at each other. Right. Um, so and, you know, when you do a film, you can't just have two guys out on a terrace singing to nothing. That would be boring. So, you know, giving them something yeah. to do that is still related to the, the song as far as like this, this casual battle going on between them. Um, I think it's well, smart. I, I, yeah, I have an example of something that I think actually works really well 
And I don't know, maybe I'm alone and like loving this movie as much as I ended up doing. I tracked down a copy of the film version of Sweet Charity. Oh, yeah, the other yeah, day. yeah. So Bob Fosse, that was his first film that he was a, a movie director for. There's some things that don't work, but for by and large, I find that the numbers, the musical numbers really work because he's like, no, I'm going to cross cut. Like we can change locations if we need to. We can do the close ups, pullbacks. And in particular, there is this scene, the um, uh, when they go into like the little cult area with Big Daddy and uh, it's Sammy Davis Jr. who is yeah, cast yeah. in that role and just nails that part. And they're like, there's this dancing and cross cutting and like they're belting out and everything. And it's like, yeah, like this is a way to cinematically show what's going on and visually show because we are our are, are kind of two main characters enter in like halfway through that song and we get, okay, they feel out of place and they're put over here. And so everything makes sense. Visually, we know what's going on uh, and it's working as a theater piece at the same time. So I think you just need those people to understand like, like you're, you there's not the two options of either like just pointing a camera at people singing <laughs> or you have to be like a music video right. you can actually have this intermediary period of like things can be happening exactly you, you still want to lend the song is still the most important thing at the moment you want to lend the right the visuals to the words as much as you can you want to detract from them still you yeah. want to, to be visually interesting and not for example Perhaps uh, a baker and um, a little girl standing in the woods singing at each other for... I have no oh, idea I'm what sorry. you're talking yeah, about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it would have been wonderful is what we're going to jump into now. Um, I, I've broken this up. I will just preface this. I've broken this up into probably even more sections than I need to. But because this song like both speeds up and slows down, it was either do that or uh, basically have like a, a minute and 45 long stretch of listening to... Uh, right. music when i put the inserts in so this is how we start so frederick is the first one to speak and he says i should never have gone to the theater then i never have come to the country if i never had come to the country matters might have stayed as they were and then him and carl magnus cross paths and they say sir sir i should never have gone to the theater then i'd never have come to the country if I never had come to the country, matters might have stayed as they were. Sir? Sir? So this is just like the opening bit here, of course, and it even notates like that this is um, Frederick thinking to himself uh, as he's singing these lines. But um, anything you want to call out here just at the very beginning of the um, piece? Nothing in particular. However, there was something I came across um, in Sondheim on Music, uh, another book, mm. where Sondheim really digs into the more musical side of things as opposed to uh, finishing the hat, which is more lyrical. Yeah. Um, is that this whole song, as well as The Miller's Son, uh, were the only two songs in the show that started with the vamp first, um, as mm. opposed to perhaps writing the lyrics first or something. It kind of it kind of burst forth from this that bum 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 bum. And I guess he came up with that in 
uh, a Boston hotel room, which I guess is where all of his great ideas come from. It's probably the only good things that have come out of a Boston hotel room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the the thing that stuck out to me is that he he thought of it as two peacocks strutting. Right. So yeah, two yeah. peacocks strutting and then two guys passing each other saying, sir, sir, were the first things that came to his mind. When So it, it's it's funny that that sir, sir is the impetus of this song, right? It's like the beginning. It is the launching point rather than something that was added in later after he, you know, wrote the rest of the lyrics. So it's that sir, sir really is the uh, not just the beginning of this song, but the like progenitor of this song. That's interesting. I like that. I, what a great descriptor too of like two peacocks preening right. and like <laughs> getting mad at each other as they cross paths. The other thing I'll say, like I, um, before we get into the kind of the meat of this song is this is something I don't know why, but I always become so fascinated by. And maybe this is why I also like time travel movies and stuff like that. But it's this idea of like, well, if I'd only done this thing, then everything would have been different. And of course, it's impossible to prove a negative. Right. But it is interesting that he points out the fact that he was the inciting action. He kind of intuitively knows that, yeah, like if I hadn't actually physically gone and seen her after the show, if I hadn't seen Desiree, most likely this wouldn't have all happened. Although he still would have had to have contend with a wife who kind of knew what was going on. And, and it's also like his, stuff. he wasn't in a, a particularly like good position before this all happened mm-hmm. to begin with. He wasn't happy, right. I would say. Um, it wasn't, he wasn't living a, a fun life for him. So I don't know. It's that, that's also part of the, the layer of this too, that as we'll get into yeah, I think so. It's like, would it have been wonderful? Right. Like, I think it would have been different for sure. But wonderful is a is a pretty strong word in, inside that sentence. Um, to that point, he continues on saying, if she'd only been faded, if she'd only been fat, if she'd only been jaded and bursting with chat, if she'd only been perfectly awful, it would have been wonderful. If, if. If she'd only been faded, if she'd only been fat, if she'd only been jaded and bursting with chat if she'd only been perfectly awful it would have been wonderful if 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 she'd be so i mean there's some little fun uh, wordplay there of course right faded writing with jaded fat Mm. chat um, even awful and wonderful are trying to do a little bit of a rhyme uh, scheme there, but this is kind of getting into more like the melody of the song here now. Yeah, too. and it's it's a little more simple than the rest of what we'll see. I think it gets a little more complex as it goes on that that melody line. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. that is a moment that does get a laugh when you do see it because it's it would have been wonderful if this woman I'm in love with was awful, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, if she'd been awful, that right, would have been wonderful because right. then I wouldn't have had to. Then like, I wouldn't have been in love have with the mental her, capacity. Yeah. yeah, actually, what always I don't know stands out to me is the very first thing he says: "If she'd only been right. faded." Because the interesting part about that is that Desiree thinks she is. And I, I Desiree think she is thinks too. that she's this faded yeah, actress. I think that is something yeah. that comes up a lot in this song is that the descriptors that both men use for Desiree as being if she'd only been this. She actually is. <laughs> and they are being like, they're like <laughs> yeah. convincing themselves or like they maybe they're not convincing themselves. Maybe they are just blind to the fact that she is mm-hmm. a lot of these things and they are pretending or or just so enamored that they're not seeing that. 
Yeah, I mean that that's I mean that's the kind of the magic trick of attraction, I guess, in some cases that people will try and point out like certain flaws and stuff. And it's like literally I just don't see it. Like I just don't see what you what people right. are pointing out. Um and even if we take out like uh relationships out of the thing, I mean this is true for I think art in and of itself, right? There's like favorite films or plays or whatever it happens to be, people can sometimes nitpick and be like, oh, like, but how about this part that's bad? I'm like, yeah, but it, it doesn't right, bother right. me. Like, uh, like it, this isn't something that I focus yeah. on. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's as we get more on in the song, I think it shows both of their hands as being, I don't know, willfully ignorant people uh, <laughs> and to their own detriment, I guess. But um, yeah, which yeah. is, I think it's true of a lot I, of people think... in this show. Um, oh, sure. I don't think there's... There's not really any one particular character that I find especially redeeming. Maybe Frederica, because she she's doesn't really do much. But like, um, <laughs> right. everyone sort of has this fatal fault that they are pretending doesn't exist and kind of gets them all into increasing amounts of trouble with each other. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that for me, Frederick and Carl Magnus are both doofuses for different reasons like uh frederick is this like uh, imperceptive and I, I just don't think he um yeah he's just not aware enough whereas like carl magnus himself is just so narcissistic that he just thinks everyone would of course fall at right, their knees right. for him sort of thing so uh they're kind of like the two extremes frederick continues on though by saying if she'd been all a Twitter or elusively cold, if she'd only been bitter or better, looked passively old, if she'd been covered with glitter or even been covered with mold, it would have been wonderful. But the woman was perfection to my deepest dismay. Well, not quite perfection, I'm sorry to say. If the woman were perfection, she would go away, and that would be wonderful. Sir, and then Carl Mangs picks his up, sir. <laughs> If she'd been all a Twitter, or elusively cold. If she'd only been bitter, or better, look passively old. If she'd been covered with glitter, or even been covered with mold, it would have been wonderful. But the woman was perfection to my deepest dismay. Well, not quite perfection, I'm sorry. Perfection, she would go away, and that would be wonderful. Sir, anything you want to mention about this section? Um, it does kind of play with the the patter aspect. I wouldn't call this whole song a patter song, but you know, he he mm -hmm. dips into it in and out. Um, it also starts playing with the rhythm a bit. It gets a little off kilter as they continue mm -hmm. down this convincing themselves spiral. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those lyrics that I think is it, it's like a little puzzle that he makes, right? Where <laughs> it's not when you read it, it's not particularly significant or or um it doesn't look difficult, right? But the way that he sets yeah. it, the way that they sing, you know, it's it becomes a tongue twister in in its own little world there. And I, I don't know. I just love the way it, it flows from beginning to end. It's like it it just keeps moving forward. Um, yeah, it's really it's a really elegant line that could have been easily uh, inelegant. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's the the biggest thing that you're you're pointing out here is that this is uh, one of those deceptively simple lyric writings where it probably took him a while to get them like exactly 
<laughs> fitting right the way that he wanted to to make it seem so right. effortless. Um, okay, and that is hard to pull off sometimes, so it doesn't sound like overwritten or weirdly uh, spoken or anything like that. So yeah, I mean, it's there, there's nothing flashy about it, but I think in that of in in and of itself, I think that's pretty remarkable <laughs> that he's able to pull right. that off. I also uh, digging into the, like the actual content of the lyrics too. Um, he starts playing his hand a little more about this sort of ideal woman that he's imagined. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, there, there's parts of Frederick that I think you're supposed to sympathize with that. It's like, Oh, you could imagine your, and maybe not a lot of him, but you know, it's like, you're supposed to, he's, yeah, yeah. I would call him the main character for much of this show, but he is so blind to his own, like, you know, he's not as narcissistic as Carl Magnus, but he still, um, expects like I don't know this this very outward beauty out of his lovers, right? I mean, he has this right, yeah. He's he has this trophy books, wife, eighteen yeah. year old currently, who he uh, cannot consummate with. And the 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 things that he's focusing on in in these first two verses, I mean, he does have the things about you know bursting with chat or something like being overly uh, outspoken or or being all a Twitter right. or elusively cold. But when he says, like, or better, looked passably old, like, oh, like, even barring her personality traits, if she was old looking, that would have been the best, because then I could easily. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Easily, like, push her away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is the worst thing that could actually be um, attributed to a woman is, you know, looking old. Well, speaking about Carl Magnus, that's when he picks it up and says... If she'd only look flustered or admitted the worst, if she only had blustered or simpered or cursed, if she weren't so awfully perfect, it would have been wonderful. If, if. If she'd only looked flustered or admitted the worst, if she only had blustered or simpered or cursed, if she weren't so awfully perfect, it would have been wonderful. If, if, if she tried. I just, I'm going to point out the thing. I, I mentioned this before we started recording. This works because they are upper class, but because I am such a low class person. It always throws me off a little bit that they say weren't. Like they make that word a two syllable word. Uh, when me and everyone I know, it's weren't, and it would be a one-syllable uh, word. Especially me, a, a nice uh, Midwestern boy who really leans into his R's. I don't think I could do yeah. a weren't if I if I tried, even though I just did. But I, it, it sounded right. inelegant. <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah. weird for me to say it that way. It's like, I mean, it's like the old Family Guy skits. It's like, right, what right, are right. you doing, right? Like, they really accentuate the H in the um, words. One other thing that stood out to me in this is... The line, if she only had blustered or simpered or cursed, just mm-hmm. thinking about being someone who's who's blustering, I think of someone who's very loud or or or, yeah, you know, outspoken or or causing a scene, whereas simpered, I think of the opposite. I think of someone shying away I, yeah, I and like receding in themselves. So it's funny that he th- this ideal woman cannot be. Either either or, you know, she has to be somewhere, this perfection in between. Like, very specific. Adding on to this, this is another thing where I think Desiree is some of these things. Like, she is, 
uh, going back to to what Frederick said, where um, saying if she had been covered with glitter, I'm thinking you know a showgirl sort of thing. And you know she she's a person of the stage. Yeah. She loves the stage, especially the faded line. And now if she only had blustered, I think of I mean she's pretty outgoing. She's yeah. So it, yeah. it's funny that they are convincing themselves that Desiree is something that she's not almost. Yeah, that's the thing I keep returning back to is that they keep using these descriptors of what we've already seen in this show that she actually is. And then, yeah, so they've convinced themselves that <laughs> she's in this like other galaxy type of thing. So it's a really this is where it gets it to be really interesting lyric writing for me, because we have to convincingly think that this is what they think, even though we know this isn't what she is. It's also interesting to see Frederick kind of focusing on the outward beauty aspects or or status stuff whereas carl magnus i think focuses more on this like control like he wants he wants this perfectly molded woman that is up to his standards you know like he he wants her to right. be in her place sort of thing yeah she needs to act a certain right. way is like really what he's focusing mm-hmm. on yeah yeah this is how he continues so he says if she tried to be clever if she would started to flinch if she'd cried or whatever a woman would do in a pinch, if I'd been certain she never again could be trusted an inch, it would have been wonderful. But the woman was perfection, not an action denied, the kind of perfection I cannot abide. If the woman were perfection, she'd have simply lied, which would have been wonderful. If she'd tried to be clever, if she'd started to flinch, if she'd cried or whatever a woman would do in a pinch, if I'd been certain she never again could be trusted an inch, it would have been wonderful. But the woman was perfection, not an action denied. The kind of perfection I cannot abide. If the woman were perfection, she'd have simply lied, which would have been wonderful. Again, a little ironic, because she cannot be trusted. She is lying to him. The two things he does not want her to do, and that mm-hmm. is the entirety of the show, is surrounding the fact that she is lying to him. about Yeah. Lying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Never said. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's it's... I do like that. I think it's it's hard to do this sort of battle of wits over the the woman if they both are coming at her from the same perspective. So to to really harp on having them, you know, it's not it's not so different a perspective, but it is you know a little different. They both see Desiree as two different women. They mm, both yeah. have made Desiree to be a person that she is not that only exists in their minds and their and their reflections of her. And honestly, that might be what Desiree has been portraying herself to be to both of these men, right? And I actually thought that this leapt to mind here for me. I don't know why I hadn't thought about this before. What I actually th- find the most interesting about this song is so Frederick is mentioning like all these like physical attributes and stuff in his lyrics, but that's really at the end of the day what Carl Magnus in the rest of the show is focused on yeah. is beauty. And the reverse is true. Like uh, Frederick is, uh, is attracted to Desiree's intellect and Carl Magnus doesn't care. And yet that is what Carl Magnus is singing. It's a, about. another layer. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's, it's like yeah. reversed <laughs> the things that they actually find attractive, but that's what the opposite person is actually singing about. So yeah, another little interesting right. thing that they're bringing up here. Here's how, here's how the song ends. So they're, they're going to be singing like back and forth uh, to one another. 
Uh, so instead of me saying each person's name uh, constantly, uh, Frederick starts, if she'd only been vicious, if she'd acted abused, or a bit too delicious, or been even slightly confused, if she had only been sulky, or bristling, or bulky, or bruised, it would have been wonderful. If, if, if she'd only been willful, if she only had fled, or a little less skillful, insulted, insisting, in bed, if she had only been fearful, or married, or tearful, or dead, it would have been wonderful. But the woman was perfection, and the prospects are grim. That lovely perfection that nothing can dim. Yes, the woman was perfection, so I'm here with him. Sir, sir, it would have been wonderful. If she'd only been vicious, if she'd acted abused, or a bit too delicious, or been even slightly confused, if she had only been sulky, or bristling, or bulky, or bruised, it would have been wonderful. If, if, if she'd only been willful, if she only had fled, or a little less skillful, insulted, insisting in bed, if she had only been fearful, or married, or tearful, or dead, it would have been wonderful. But the woman was perfection, and the prospects are Uh, so there's a lot there in this last section yeah. that I just read out. Uh, anything that you want to focus on at first? Um, I do like how he tried his best to make each character sing his own line still making sense, like within right. its, his own thought process, even though they're going back and forth, um, yes. while still making that back and forth sound like consistent thought. But they are still having their own two different trains of thoughts. So you get some like sort of funny stuff like the if she'd only been willful, if she only had fled or a little less skillful, insulted, insisting in bed, where that mm-hmm. in, insulted, insisting in bed kind of becomes a joke in itself, even though that yeah. was not what Frederick was saying. It was an interjection from from Carl Magnus. So I think that that's pretty clever. And I know Sondheim loves puzzles and we'll get into that, too, with uh, anticipation. But um it's just one of those moments that I think he really shines that you don't when you're just, you know, watching it or, or listening to it, you're not paying that much attention to it. It does sort of run through together. But as an actor, you could have a lot of fun with that, you know? Yeah, like as an actor, obviously you have to keep timing and with your scene partner, you have to be kind of in that together. But it's like you are still singing basically these lines with thinking without the interjections right being you're there. not like, hearing that second it. character it's right you are in your own train of thought getting from one line to the next and that i to my knowledge looking at this still seemed i could see a thread through each of their yeah. eyes um but there's still that interaction between them that they're unaware of which adds for uh, some comedy oh yeah um the thing that stands out to me here is specifically the section they say um or bristling or bulky or bruised 
Um, of course, there's the alliteration of the bees and stuff going on there, but it almost also sounds like they're talking about a piece of fruit. Like I don't know, <laughs> this is I I don't know like a like a bulkier bruise is just like it's just a yeah it's just, it's just a weird way to I don't know describe a person. Yeah, it is. It it's I mean clearly the alliterative alliterative aspects there are are what he was going for, but it it is an odd uh, descriptor of a person, especially starting with a bit too delicious. Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So that like leads us into like that thinking of you yeah. know that perfect pair, um, which might lean into the uh, even more objectifying of her, right? Like trying to describe her in ways that are not uh, human. <laughs> so yes, yes. truly making her an object. Of course, I think what this leads up to is like the big laugh line. Like it would have been perfect if she was dead. That would have been actually the best case scenario because then I wouldn't have, of course, be obsessing right. over her anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that would be the wonderful thing if she was if only a dead person. She were dead. None of this would have happened. This show yeah, wouldn't exactly. have existed, or it would be a very, very different show. That's true. <laughs> it could have been a. Darker, it could have been probably. a fun like uh, locked room murder mystery. That's right. They're all right. there in the country trying to figure out who killed her. I'll call up Steve and ask him to do some rewrites. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Well, what do you think? Like overall, like just this song by itself, like is this one of your favorites of the score, middle of the pack or like or bottom of the pack? Like where do you put it? It's not one that I think of often. <laughs> um, yeah. But after listening to it, I mean, it, it's it's it is a fun comic relief song, even though it's not really a comic relief song. It's uh, comic relief in disguise as like a psychological duologue sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing that keeps coming to mind about it is, and I know this is very forward thinking years out now, is uh, Agony from Into the Woods um, yeah, as yeah. it's like spiritual uh, sibling to where whereas Agony is far more cartoonish than this, but it still has these like two self-centered narcissistic upper class men thinking and brooding over an imagined woman that is not exactly who they think she is right right yeah and it, it's comedic it's the, the 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 comedy is found in their complete uh delusions about the person right so i don't know i don't know why i mean the the similar similarities are there but they're not really the same song per se but it's still got that like vibe um so something about that and and, and there is something about the the second act of this show that i find much more interesting than the first act of the show, which is often oh, interesting. often not the case with many shows. A lot of times it's a very thrilling first act and the second act is sort of wrapping things up. Whereas I, this show, it's almost like the entire first act is just the setup for the bulk, the meat of it, right? I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. And so this this really becomes a much more fun, interesting piece than it could have been. Well, yeah, and I've actually mentioned... Uh that fact specifically where i just find this show weirdly paced in that yeah like the whole first act is just set up we're getting to the country like that is really where we're going to right. and then in the second act it feels like just like okay a bunch of stuff happens and we're done like it just wraps up mm-hmm. <laughs> really really quickly um to the point because i love that agony comparison because i think you're right i think that this is a great <laughs> precursor to that song but when I look at some of like the cut songs, for instance, that Sondheim lays out, I am a little bit disappointed that some of them couldn't have been added in 
And um, maybe this is sacrilege. Maybe remove some <laughs> of the night waltzes. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I think three. Um, you get a you get a little too many at that point. Yeah, but it's like there's this song called Two Fairy Tales that he talks about and and puts the lyrics into the book Finishing the Hat. And it was supposed to be uh, essentially like this song where it's two characters that are singing, but not necessarily to each other. It's uh, Henrik and Anne singing but they're in their opposite rooms and it was cut because of time where it just said it felt like it was just making the show stop dead too much but uh, i think at the um at the expense of us learning a little bit more about henrik yeah because <laughs> he really has nothing to do in the second half of this show no. up until like the very very end which is always kind of too bad yeah um there's something and i think too it was gonna immediately follow this right there's something about having two of the exact same type of song back to back where it's like two yeah, yeah. people singing to themselves, but having that sort of dialogue that they are unknowingly having. Yeah, you, yeah. you do. I know. I know his whole idea was, you know, theme and variations with this show, but you do need to also vary the order of them. You know, you don't want two <laughs> of the same song back to back. Then it becomes, you know, very samey. It's like, oh, we just mm -hmm. saw this scene. Um, so I get it. You know, sometimes it becomes, it becomes theme and variation. <laughs> yeah. Is what yeah. it comes. Yeah. <laughs> and variation and variation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes things just got to go, even though they it's not that they're bad. It's just that right. you, you want to move along. And, you know, this show is already pretty long to begin with. I think it is yeah. um, even with, you know, if you're including an intermission, it probably can get three hours, which is. You know, that's that's lengthy. Yeah, I, I have to remember, I think, because there, there is a version. I think it's the 1990 opera version, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Center opera version, or sorry, New York opera version um, that's on YouTube currently. I think it is. I think it is actually three hours because yeah. <laughs> they include the 15 minute intermission with like, interviews and stuff like that. But um, well, I, let's uh, not uh, put it off any longer. We've arrived <laughs> at perpetual anticipation. <laughs> this is the moment um, everyone's been waiting for, too. Everyone yeah. has been waiting for. So uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read out all of the lyrics right now because this is what's going on. We have three of that uh, kind of Greek chorus come back out. The Mrs. Nordstrom, Mrs. Segstrom, and Mrs. Anderson have come back on. And they basically sing like... Um, like a round, right? So one person starts and then another person starts a little bit later and then another person starts. We could, and then they we all could end say the together. lyrics in a round if you want. I think that would be totally not confusing for people. <laughs> yeah, so not confusing. Um, here is what the full text of, of what they're saying is, though, which is perpetual anticipation is good for the soul, but it's bad for the heart. It's very good for practicing self-control. It's very good for morals, but bad for morale. It's very bad. It can lead to going quite mad. It's very good for reserve and learning to do what one should. It's very good. Perpetual anticipation's a delicate art, playing a role, aching to start, keeping control while falling apart. Perpetual anticipation is good for the soul, but it's bad for the heart. Oh, it is a patient, 
I don't know. Is there what? Where do you want to start with this? Is there anything that specifically, specifically, like jumps out at you? So I think this does add a little energy into the moment of the show, right? It's not so much what they're saying. I mean, it is a lot of what they're saying, but a lot of it is also just the energy of the the song itself. It adds, like we said, variation. It goes from this mm-hmm. sort of like slow march sort of song into something a little more lively. So it just, you know, it, it renews interest in what's going on. But it also, from like a musical perspective, it, you did say it's around, but it, it is also maybe not around. It's yeah. it's kind of around. And I think it also, I know I've said he loves puzzles before, but this is very much like a, a musical and lyrical puzzle that I'm yeah. sure he had a blast writing. Because, you know, each, each uh, person here, they do say the same lyrics but there are some moments where it's not the same or it's it lines are cut right exactly and they like because they're singing over top of each other there's some blending that goes on so it's not an exact round like some of the 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 melody changes for each person in in a certain way let's let's call it an oval yeah it's so (laughs) it's a little it's a rhombus i don't know um though the one thing that sticks out is when they get to a lot of it is over this vamp, right? It's it's a yeah. steady harmonic line until we get to the second time perpetual anticipation comes around, which also ends on this line like contemplate or learning to wait um, or what mm-hmm. two people are saying, another person saying good. And that that's when it starts like changing to this new harmonic section. It's a new chord, right? We moved to, uh, I forget if it's the four or the five, I forget. But um, going from there, the the lyrics get a little more not quite sinister, but it, they keep talking about like falling apart and they come back to it's good for the soul, but bad for the heart. Um, as that's happening, harmonically, we have this like falling action as we s- start talking mm. about falling apart. Um, and, you know, everyone's lives are also about to start falling apart. The pieces have been put into place. Uh, this is where the action is going to start right now. It's basically what the song mm-hmm. is saying is that we've been building up this entire show for what you're about to see, which is, you know, first we got to learn the backstories. We got to learn why everyone is connected. We need to raise the stakes a little bit. Um, so everyone's going to be in the same location miraculously uh, for an evening right. or, or so. And now there's going to become more and more. I, I forget when exactly Carl Magnus starts talking about a duel or whatever that is. It's at some point in the show. I think we have heard it by this point. So you know that's on the horizon. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how he shifts the lyrics around too to to still make sense. So he 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 excludes certain lines uh to make the the rest of the round shorter so they sync up at certain points, right? But even with right. the lines he excludes, it still makes a uh, logical sense as like a, a sentence. Well, I think that's what the fun part of this song is for me, at least, which is like it starts off kind of in that round and then they they do sync up there for a little bit and then we go into into the finish. Right. I, I mentioned in a previous episode how I thought fu- I feel like perpetual anticipation is kind of like the spiritual third night waltz in the piece, which is that it, it's kind of more commenting on what is happening or about to happen in the show like it's not really like um, a character song where we're learning more about the person or they're starting in one place and ending in a different space uh, sort of thing. 
it's fun, I guess, is the quick answer to me. But kind of like our song we just finished talking about, it's not one that it's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to throw on perpetual anticipation right. to go and take a listen to sort of thing. Yeah, it, it, I think some of these songs to sort of take the place of uh, like a transition or a playoff music. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it helps move the, the story along, too, where you have uh, this Greek chorus commenting on what's about to happen rather than what has just happened that way. And, it, you know, it, it gets the, the audience in the frame of mind of the coming uh, rather than just sort of passively well, enjoying yeah. this um, experience. Uh, it's like, oh, hey, audience, wake up. This is about to happen. Everything's going to yeah. go nuts right now. This is the this is the opening to sending the clowns essentially. Yeah. Is what yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. Doing. Everyone, pay attention. The song you know is coming up. I'm sure you're aware because you have probably taken a look at the Fishing the Hat book. Uh, but this is also not the original lyrics that Sondheim wanted to have in this song. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go a little bit weirder uh, in this song. So the perpetual anticipation is good for the soul, but it's bad for the heart. Was initially perpetual anticipation is good for the soul, but it's bad for the skin. Uh, he says, I rarely change a lyrics idea simply because of a collaborator's taste, but Hal disliked the line so intensely that I gave in, but I'm sorry I did. The right tone would have been just weird enough to enli- to enliven the mysteriousness of the moment. I don't know. How, how, do you agree with that? Do you, do you prefer the original or do you think it was better to be changed to, to heart? So I see what Hal was saying where you hear that line and it sounds pretty gross. Like it's something about the visual. Anytime you like focus on skin right. is kind of gross, but I like the line better. Like it's bad for the skin because it fits everyone's personalities so much, especially after the song we just had about mm. focusing on this uh, outward appearance of everyone. And it's, it's, that's kind of what everyone in the show uh, is obsessed with is like how their appearance, how they appear to others, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, how others appear to them. Um, it is sort of the focus of the show that, that, that is sort of the theme of the show. Like everyone is worrying and, and they wish they weren't worrying about what's going on because it's going to make them uh, age or something, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there's a lot of, uh, uh, of focus on on physical appearance that I think it, it really ties it in. I have a hard time getting past it only because I've just heard like the actual the, well, quote unquote, the actual lyrics for so long. But I'm just trying to imagine what it would sound like with the, the characters singing. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> what sort of skin. rhymes he would have come up with with skin. Mm-hmm. Sin? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's too close. Yeah, uh, toss me in the bin? You know? <laughs> Kith and kin? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Eric, uh, for joining me here Absolutely. once again. Uh, this has been fun. Hopefully, we don't need to perpetually anticipate your next return back to the show. It can be I don't know. A bit so the last time I was on, we had spoken about this before, yeah. was uh, literally the day that um, Illinois put the stay-at-home order in place. So I might be, yeah. I might be bad luck. I think, <laughs> I think I said that we were we were bemoaning the fact that uh, Broadway had shut down, and I said something like, yes. you know, when this comes back in two months or whatever, uh, may, I don't think things will be the same. And I was very wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> very, very. I was wrong, very yeah. wrong. So yeah, hopefully, I don't know what sort of uh, hellgate I'm going to open up with this episode, but uh, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, if people 
did want to stay in contact with you and see what you're up to, what is the easiest way for them to do so online? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at at the EMR music. Um, I also have a website, ericmatthewrichardson.com. There might be something popping up. I don't know when this is coming out or what. I have some things up in the air that I don't know when they're happening because who knows when anything is happening anymore. But at some point, there will be a short film that I did music for over the summer. Oh, nice. Um, And I did another 10-minute musical that might have something at some point. Who knows? People, take your time with stuff. It's okay. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, If the last year is any indication, this episode is going to be out in either two weeks or two years. I don't know. Or honestly, never. We could find out. (laughs) You know, this this might all end uh, next week. Who knows? Wait, other people are listening to this? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> It'll just be you and me talking to each other for eternity with no one else. That's right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks so much for listening. You can send emails to putting it together podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Sondheim Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash putting it together podcast. Thank you to the Alberta Podcast Network and to the Calgary Foundation this week. Putting Together is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts from. Consider subscribing so that you never miss an episode. Next week, we'll be talking about The Miller's Son. I can't wait to trip the light fantastic. As always, a big thanks to the great Chris Taniguchi, who designed the podcast artwork, and to Nick Driscoll for composing our theme music. Well, we've reached the end of our episode. Yes, I know. Goodbye for now. I see you shiver with anticipation.